Hi listeners, um, we're back here with Fishy Tales and it's myself and Mick talking about fishing and things related to fishing. Hi listeners, yeah, it's myself Mick here and I can't wait to do another show. We're uh, going to carry on from where we left off last time and uh, we're just going to talk a little bit about safety on uh, vessels and vehicles um, and what we're going to talk about is if you're traveling on these long journeys through the Transkei or to Mozambique, if you were broke down, what do you wish you took with you? So we're going to try and prepare before we go, uh, using the experience of myself and certainly years of experience from Rudolph traveling up to Mozambique to see what uh, you can take with you. So where do we start with that one, Rudolph? What would you take? Yes, Mick. Um, I think the only way you learn these um, as to what to take with you is through difficult experiences. And um, with us that travel a lot and you, yourself, We've always been in a situation where we end up next to the road or stuck in the bush or stuck on the beach or wherever you are and thinking, why on earth didn't I even think of bringing this along to help me out of this specific situation? So I'm going to sort of relay my stories on previous experiences um, where I've been in a situation where I thought I should have had that. And maybe our listeners um, that don't travel as often um, could use some of this information when they do a long trip either to Mozambique or even if you go on a game drive or go down to Transkei, this might just help them to pack in that one little thing that they never thought of, um, which might help them when they're stuck next to a road or in the bush or wherever they are. So let's start off on the vehicle side first. So what's happened to me in the, once is that my alternator on my vehicle packed up in the middle of absolutely nowhere. And I realized the only thing I had with me was my headlamp I fish with. So from that experience, I learned always carry a proper spare um, nice spotlight in your vehicle so if you end up in a situation where you've got battery failure or electrical problems where your lights don't work and and i know listeners are going to say oh it's not going to happen to me i've got a new vehicle but when you travel through the bush it's very easy for a, a branch or a piece of wire or a stick to rip out a wire underneath the car and there suddenly you've got a problem and you've got no um, power going to your lights or a problem like that so my first thing would be a nice spotlight, which you can connect up directly to the battery, or if you can, a spare battery on that, or spotlight with built-in batteries. So if you're in a situation where in the middle of the night somewhere and your vehicle can still drive, but you've got no lights, you can just use that nice spotlight and drive to a safe destination where you can get some help. All right, so that was my first little one. Um, last week we spoke about traveling in Mozambique, Mick, and... Um, Something we spoke about most of the things we need when traveling in Mozambique, but one thing we forgot to mention was our triangles. Now, um, I don't know if you're aware that when you're in Mozambique and your vehicle breaks down, um, it's law in South Africa too, but it's not a law where you can get fined for. But if your vehicle breaks down in Mozambique and you climb out your vehicle without your safety vest on and you don't place a triangle behind your vehicle, you can get fined for it. So even though you've broken down and you're stuck next to the road, they will come and give you a fine for not making use of your triangle. So I always carry two. I'll put one in the front of the vehicle, in the back of the vehicle. Um, if I'm repairing a punch or a problem with the trailer, something like that. So just a little tip if you're traveling, just make sure you've got those triangles in your car or where they are easily available if you need them. Yeah, that's a good tip, Rudolph, because I think sometimes it's like with the boating equipment, you said that you have to have these things, but then you just put them in the back of the car and you say, why do you need these things? Have you actually had an experience where you have to use the triangles then? Yes, yes. Um, we, uh, 
when we built our lodge, we carried a lot of gear up to our lodge, heavy vehicle, heavy loads on our vehicles, and we did have a few punches because we used to drive these off-roads and the roads weren't good then. There was a lot of sticks on the road. So every now and then we'd slash a tire and when we get to a tar road, that tire would break, pop or have a slow puncher. So for us, it worked quite a few times and lucky we knew that, that law by then and we used those triangles and it really helped a lot. So yes, um, small little things that really, really make a big difference. So Mick, um, something else that I think we all forget to check, which is a very simple thing, is our jack. Um, I've had this situation where I've, I had a punch once and oh, it's fine, I'll quickly jack up my car, open the car and there's no jack. <laughs> it's there but it's rusted. <laughs> Always there and it doesn't work or yeah. you use it the last time to in the water where you, you couldn't get the boat onto the trailer and it got full of salt water and it's rusted so it doesn't really work. So that is something you always got to check as well because um, if anything like me, I would take it out at home to go do something with a jack and forget to put it back forget in. Put it back, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, just check your jack. Make sure your jack's there with all the jack spanners and everything relevant to it. Um, yeah, and then obviously when you look at your jack, you want to go to your spare wheel. Check that spare wheel. Make sure it's uh, there's no slow punch on it because often people forget to check their spare wheel and a few years later when they have a puncher and they put it on, it's flat as well. So <laughs> That's another, great advice. Yeah, before you leave in a trip, Check that spare tire, and if it is deflated, take it off, get the puncher fixed. And then, obviously, if you're going on a very long trip um, up to um, into the bushveld, take an extra spare wheel with you. Because um, we've been in a situation once where we had two vehicles. We went on a trip to Angola about 10 years ago, and we had the two of the same vehicles, and we had more than two punches, and we ran out of spare tires. And that added on hours and hours to our trip of one person having to wait, another guy to drive back to town to go get tires. And when you're in the middle of nowhere, tires are extremely expensive um, and you're going to battle to find the right size. So if you're doing a very long trip, I know we're talking about a 4 by 4 yes, it's not actually what we're talking about, but it's all related to fishing. Grab, just put an extra spare wheel on your vehicle and be prepared. Right. And of course, the wheel brace as well, Rudolph. Uh, that's the thing we shove in the back of the backy or whatever and say one day, oh, if I need to take the wheel off, I'll just use that thing. But sometimes the wheel nuts are so tight, you know, they're being put on the tire place. So you must make sure that the wheel brace, you can actually remove them wheels. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because, and what you must also check um, with us using a lot of different vehicles and sponsored vehicles at times, they all differ, Mick. Yeah, definitely. And I, I've had sponsored vehicles and you want to check your uh, you want to take off a, a tire and you realize that's the wrong size they've changed it they've got new nuts on it new fancy big nuts and and your wheel spanner i'm going to call the wheel spanner it doesn't fit so make sure that works on the rims it's on your vehicle if it's not stock standard because often you'll get a stock standard size that comes from a factory but as soon as you change those rims you might get different size nuts on it and it doesn't work so just a small little thing like that could really make the trip very, very horrible. Mick, is there anything else you can think of when, we, when we're talking about vehicles and extra stuff to take with on a long trip? Uh, you know, Rudolph, when, when we're talking about uh, going on those um, long trips, I'd make sure that I would take a tow rope with me because sometimes you might have a problem like a radiator or something like that. And if you can get a tow to the nearest garage by somebody, uh, that would be a great help. So... If you've got the tow rope and somebody's got the vehicle, that could get you out of trouble. Another thing I would 
definitely uh, use if I had um, the chance to use it is if you've got a winch fitted to the front of your 4x4 sometimes on these trips as we know it's been raining and you get stuck somewhere it's great that you can wrap the uh, winch on the front of the backy round a tree and pull yourself out of a ditch or something or you know you might have I mean even pull another vehicle I've had an experience where somebody's fell asleep and gone off the side of the road thankfully they weren't injured but we help get them out the ditch with a winch as well. So if you can get a winch fitted, it's not only good for launching boats and jet skis, it's great for your uh, vehicle safety as well. But yes. another item uh, um, for safety for the vehicle, Rudolph, of course, nowadays is these dash cameras because they're so helpful. That could get you out of some trouble as well. You've got a speed camera on there so you can make sure you keep within the speed, as we spoke about before. <laughs> That's a must in Mozambique. Um, so that that would be great, uh, a great uh, accessory to add to your four by four for a long trip. Mick, I agree one hundred percent with you. It, it's something I haven't got on my vehicle, and it's definitely something I'm going to invest in and get into my vehicle because if you travel um, different countries, a country like Mozambique, for instance, other law officially or unofficially works there. If you're in an accident there, as a South African traveling to Mozambique, you are guilty immediately. You're treated as guilty regardless of what happened in the accident. So if you've got a, say for instance, something really bad happens and you hit a pedestrian, they gonna you're gonna be in big big trouble over there, and it's gonna cost you a lot of money. But if you've got a dash cam and you can prove that this person ran in front of you and you were travelling at speed, it'll really make your case much better um, if you're over there. So when it comes to those type of things, or a vehicle drives in front of you, and especially in a city like Maputo, where it's everybody just drives the way they want to drive. And you got proof that it wasn't your fault. It could save you a lot of time and a lot of money. So I'm definitely going to invest in that um, for, for that purpose, just um, to save myself a lot of time. If it happens, I hope it never does. Um, but it, it does really help you to have that on your vehicle. So you mentioned there, Rudolph, that you're guilty in Mozambique if you have an accident. Does that mean vehicle-to-vehicle -vehicle accident as well? So if you've got a Mozambique vehicle and a South African vehicle, are you guilty until proven innocent, basically? Correct. Yes, and um, that's how it works over there. And that's why when we spoke last week about the third-party insurance, there's a lot of people that go in and say, oh, I'm going to save these, this 400 rand, that 450 rand for that third-party insurance and not buy that. That is critical. Um, if you're in an accident and you haven't got that third-party insurance, then already you're in huge trouble. So if you're in an accident, you've got your third-party insurance which you took out at the border, you, you're going to be in a little bit of trouble, but not as much if you if you didn't have that insurance so yes um unfortunately that's i don't know if it's a written law but over the years it's known to be the fact that if you're in an accident as a visit to the country unfortunately you're going to be the guilty party um and you don't it's really a situation you don't want to be in and i don't wish it upon anybody but you must always look at the worst case scenario it could happen Oh, wow, that's great advice, Rudolph. So we better keep on top of that one. Yeah. So something else I was thinking about as well is I get lost when I go 50 k's down the road to Durban. <laughs> so I'm, a, uh, I'm one of those people who uses the technology and I use a, a navigation system or, you know, now I'm sort of moved over pretty much full time to Google Maps. So that for me is just a great way to get around. But um, last time I went to Mozambique, of course, hit the border and I didn't realize it pretty much stops <laughs> your airtime finish the Google Maps stop, you know. <gasps> what do I do now, you know? So um, so r rather than get into that situation where I got into, 
I'm not sure everybody knows that, of course, you can download Google Maps offline. So you can do your whole route to Mozambique before you go. You can download that map. And if you go off track, you can still use it. So ah, I didn't even know about that, Mick. It's definitely something I should use. Yes. Yeah, 100%. So, so, so there is on the phone. It's as good as any navigation system, I think, at the moment. But uh, before you go, you don't need to use airtime or anything. Just download the offline map and away you go. That's a very good tip. It's something I will definitely use. Yeah, something else um, we used on our last travel to between uh, Durban and uh, Ponte Dura, so before we got to the border, which I thought was absolutely great, was we were traveling in tandem, and me as usual, Mr. Bean driving was way behind <laughs> the other guys. And, you know, you're always wondering, where are they? And you get your phone and you phone the guy up, and you're not supposed to use your phone, of course. I was on hands-free. Yeah. And, um, oh, I think I'm... Five k's ahead, and he was probably ten k's ahead. And then he said to me, "Why don't you put your WhatsApp on, and then we'll know where each other is?" So what do you mean? So we'll put the location sharing on. And that's the first time I'd experienced WhatsApp location sharing. So yes. I switch it on, he switches it on, and we can see where each other is all the way. As soon as he stops in the services, I know where he is. I can follow him and pull in the services. So traveling in tandem or threes or fours—that's it for me. Is it? A great way to use that facility. Um, and then, of course, the other option is two-way radios. I quite like a two-way radio as well. So you're not going to lose reception with that. You're going to have link with your partner all the way. So that's another thing I like to use. Yes, yes, definitely, Mick. That uh, two-way radios, we travel with them a lot. And the, the other big advantage of two-way radios when you're traveling long distance and you've three or four vehicles is you actually chat to each other all the time and you keep the drivers awake. We use that tool a lot. Um, if we travel, we the way we travel up to our lodge is we normally one drive in a vehicle and another drive in another vehicle because we need to get the vehicles up there with a the gear. And after many, many hours on the road, you, you get fatigue. And we've learned over the years that just chat to each other all the time on these radios. And you can quickly hear in the other person's voice if he's really getting tired. And we just tell the guy, let's stop for a while, have a coffee, have a cool drink, walk around the vehicles a bit. So the two-way radios is a very good tool for communication, but also a very good tool to communicate directly and keeping the other drivers awake. Um, especially what I do with my partner often, if I see, and we've been on the road for 20-odd hours and, we, and we're on the dirt road, it's normally in the dirt road where we travel slow that we sort of start falling asleep. And if I see he starts veering off the road, I just grab the radio and I shut at him. And I say, are you falling asleep? And he say, no, I'm not, but I know he is. So you can actually see the guy in front of you is getting tired and he's losing concentration. Um, and he can also warn you, say, be careful, he has a cow running across the road or the police are here and all those type of things. So two-way radios, as all the technology as it is, is a very, very nice tool to use. Oh, wow, yeah. So, so Rudolf, I was just thinking as we were talking there, if I broke down in South Africa and it was dark, I would panic, I have to tell you. I, I wouldn't be able to get off that road fast enough. I would be screaming for help. And, you know, it's a scary situation to break down in South Africa. But in Mozambique, I don't feel I would have that, that same uh, thought process. I'd be quite calm about it. So, so let's say we're driving along now um, and you break down. It's pitch black. You're on one of them small roads. We've just spoke about all the things we should take. But what would be the process now? So, so we're going along. We suddenly come to a stop. What would be the process? What would be the first things we would do? Right, Mick, so the first thing you do is obviously put your hazards on your vehicle on if it's still working. 
your reflective jacket that you've got with you, you have to put that on according to law. Then you output your triangles up. And as you say, uh, breaking, breaking down Mozambique is not unsafe um, when it comes to people. It is very unsafe for trucks and, and uh, other vehicles on the road. There's a lot of vehicles on those roads that drive with hardly any lights or very dim lights. So make yourself visible for those vehicles. So as much as possible. And I've always got my little headlamp and it's got a little flasher setting on it. So I would actually go put that on the bonnet of my vehicle, flashing into oncoming traffic, just to warn that big truck that's coming that might not see you. Um, and when it comes to the, as I said, to the, the people side of things, I, you don't have to worry about any safety issues there. The people there are very helpful. Um, most of the areas in Mozambique, if you break down, within minutes there'll be someone there trying to help you. They're very helpful people. And they, if they can communicate with you, they might be able to tell you where the closest mechanic is or where the closest garage is. Or if there's another person, another vehicle, they are always willing to help tow you to the nearest garage. So, so when it comes to the people side, you're very, very safe there. Um, I've never felt unsafe in that country, but just make sure that you, as a broken down vehicle, is very visible to the oncoming traffic. And talking about that, Mick, something we've, we spoke long about traveling through Mozambique last week, but something I forgot to tell you, um, and this is also something you only pick up through experience. In Mozambique, if a vehicle breaks down, they've got one way of showing you that there's a, there's a vehicle broken down in front of you. And it's not going to be triangles. It's not going to be a flashlights. They go and they cut branches. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> and they pack them in the road. So if you're driving along the road in Mozambique and you see tree branches, leaves and a heap of branches lying in, in the roads, not in the middle, but sort of to the side, you can be assured there's a broken truck or vehicle in the road past those branches. And, and they're quite good at it. They they'll place it at least 100 meters before the vehicle. So just if, if you've never traveled Mozambique and you're not aware of this, keep your eyes open for that. Um, many a time, many a time when we've traveled through the night, I've seen these little branches lying in the road, Slammed on brakes, and the next minute I've got a big truck standing in the middle of the road, no lights, nothing. Um, because the driver will just close the doors and sleep, and he's got his branches, he's safe. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I want to warn you about that. If you see branches in the road in Mozambique, it's, it's their way of warning you that there's a broken down vehicle. <laughs> that's, an incredible, that's an incredible story, Rudolf. I, I haven't heard that one, I must admit, but hey, big up to the Mozambicans for doing something about it. Yes, yes. That, as I said, that's their way of doing it. And I think the reason they don't put up the triangles is because they don't own any of those. Um, the speed cops don't ask them. They only ask the South Africans for the triangles. <laughs> that's an incredible story. So, uh, Rudolf, that was amazing. Thanks for sharing that story and i think we've just summed up uh, quite a lot of, of good information there so if anybody's traveling to mozambique don't panic if you get into trouble if you break down make sure you've got all these safety items it, it's quite annoying when you first hear you've got to take two triangles you've got to take a torch you've got to take a reflective vest at the end of the day if you break down in the middle of the night you, you'll want those items so it, it's actually good you do have to have them Definitely, Mick, definitely. I agree with you. And I know a lot of people, and I think our vehicles, it will never happen to me, I've got a brand new vehicle, but a simple thing is a puncher, which is which can happen anywhere. Um, all of these things are important then, and you're going to need them. Okay, Rodolf, well, thanks again for sharing that, and it's been a good episode this time. And um, from me, myself, Mick Clark, and from Rudolf, thanks, listeners, goodbye. Thank you very much, goodbye.